Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is dedicated in loving memory of Ezra, Sonny Cohen, Alava Shalom, Lilu Nishmat, Ezra Ben Regina, sponsored by a son Eli Cohen. And breakfast is also dedicated in loving memory of Naftali God, Alava Shalom, Lilu Nishmat, Naftali Ben Le'ah, and Venisan God, Alava Shalom, beloved husband of Shifra God, father of Michael and Joseph God, Lily, Ishai, and Peggy Dahan. Rabotai, the Pasuk tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu was born in a time where they're trying to track down all the Jewish baby boys. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, sorry, uh, the HaKadosh the, uh, Baruch Hu knows, so to speak, that after a certain amount of time that they're, that they're, going, to, they're going to be effectively uh, searching for this child. So, Moshe Rabbeinu was born three months early. After three months, the Pasuk says, when now she's full term, so the Egyptians came knocking, looking for the baby that they knew was supposed to be born. She couldn't hide him anymore, so she takes him, she puts him in a basket, and there's a heartbreaking goodbye said by, uh, by Yocheved and Miriam. They put this baby that was so promising, filled the house with light when he was born, which is why they named him Tuvia, okay? They stuck him in the, in the, in the river, and she pushes this boat off, you know, into the, into the river. Says the Pasuk, and his sister Miriam stood at a distance to know, to see what would happen to her brother, to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Midrash tells us that Miriam came to her father Amram and she said she had the following conversation with her father. Amram, who was the leader of his generation, realized that they're killing all the baby boys. So what does he say to his wife? What in the world are we doing? Why are we having children in order for these Egyptians to kill them? It's too difficult to do this, to bring children into this world when this is what's happening to them. So he says, you know what? I'm going to separate from my wife to illustrate and to teach that the people should realize that uh, we, shouldn't have, we shouldn't have children. So he separates from his wife publicly. All the, you know, the people of the generation, they see that this great man this is his response to the situation. They stand up and do the same. Miriam comes to her father and she says, Dad, you know, you're worse than Pharaoh. Could you imagine him hearing that? Dad, you're worse than Hitler, you know? Why, he says, what are you talking about? She says, Pharaoh de facto only passed this rule about killing the baby boys. You're killing the baby boys and the baby girls by not having them, right? And then she gives him a nivuah. She tells him that I see in the prophecy that this child that's going to be born to you is going to be the one that's going to be the redeemer of Am Yisrael. Okay, wow. He hears his daughter's rebuke. What a, a great man is willing to listen to the truth even if it comes through the mouth of a child. He didn't say to her, get lost. He gives birth. They, they, he gets back together with his wife and everyone follows as well. And the child that's born from Amram and Yocheved's union is Moshe Rabbeinu. The house fills with light. In fact, not only that, it tells us that he was born already uh, mahul. He was already born circumcised, Moshe Rabbeinu. What do they do in a case like that? It still happens today, rarely. But they, uh, they kind of make a tiny incision and they just take some drops of blood. But the, the milah doesn't need to be done. Okay? He looks at this child. He says, Shema Yisrael, she's right. Three months later, they take the baby, says the Midrash, Tafcha al Panea, he kind of hits her on her forehead. He says, Hecha nevuatech, where is your prophecy now? 
Now that we have to put this baby in the river, now that the Egyptians have come to collect him, have come to take him away. Still, even though it seemed unlikely that her nivuah would come to fruition, Miriam goes to stand by the riverbanks to see the Mifashim brings something amazing. They say that Miriam was going down in order to know what was happening to the child. Later on, we'll see, when the Jewish people are in the desert and Miriam suffers from leprosy from Tzara'at, the entirety of the Jewish people wait for her for seven days. So could you imagine millions and millions, three million people, let's say, in the desert at the time? They're all waiting for Miriam to get better. You know, could you imagine that? Why, in reward for the fact that she waited for Moshe Rabbeinu, so the, the commentators ask, what in the world? How does the two things compare? How long did she wait already? She's a little girl, she was curious, she went to go see what was going on. Is that such a big deal that, this, that the reward is so outsized, it's so disproportionate? It's a strange thing, isn't it? But it's not the only time where we find it. The Midrash tells us Avraham Avinu, when he f- serves the, a- the angels that he thought were Arab sojourners. What does he do? He goes and he runs to the Bakar and he tells him, get the water. In merit of the water, he's, he merits the Be'er Miriam, the water that travels with the Jewish people in the desert miraculously for 40 years. In the merit of the fact that he gets them the meat, they get, the Jewish people get in the desert, you know, the manna, the, the, the bread that falls from heaven. In the merit of this, each thing is paid back. Some w- little small thing, he gets him a little bit of chalad, he gets him a little bit of this. Now he deserves that his family should eat for, for free from heaven for 40 years. Because he gave him a cup of water, he merits that. You know, it doesn't make sense, it's disproportionate. How could it be? So it's a strange thing. So what is, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the idea here? And, and more importantly, what does it have to do with us? So Rav Chaim Shmulevitz was asked to speak in memory of the Briska Rav, of the Rav of Brisk in the yeshiva in Mir in Eretz Israel when he passed. And he stood up and he said, you know, it's difficult to speak about such a big man, such a big tzaddik. He says, and most times you go and you hear people at a funeral, they'll tell stories about what the person did and how they were like. And with that, you kind of make a nice eulogy because, oh, the person was too kind, so kind. They were so this, they were so sweet, they were so welcoming. Whatever it is that people share, they think that that communicates the nature of the person. Rav Shmulevitz brought this story of Miriam. He brought the story of Avraham Avinu and he asked, I don't understand, why is the reward so great? And this is what he says, listen to this. It's a fascinating idea. He says, it's not the deed that made the man It's the man that made the deed. It's not great because they weren't great because they did this, but rather these acts were made great because they were done by them. What does that mean? And he gives this fascinating example. He says, imagine, you know, you take this awe-inspiring, magnificent castle on a cliff. You look at it, it takes your breath away. You pull out your nine gazillion dollar camera, and you zoom in and you zoom in and you zoom in until all you see is one brick or one little stone. You come back after your vacation, you're like, wow, look at that stone. <laughs> it's not, the stone itself is nothing. 
it becomes magnificent when it is seen as part of the entire picture. Sort of Shmulevit says, what story could I tell you that would uh, communicate the greatness of the loss? It, was, it wasn't the deed that the person did, it was rather the person in the totality that had done this thing that communicates the impact of what, what that person accomplished. Now, I think that maybe perhaps what we're talking about over here is actually a very similar thing. It's not that Avraham ran and gave this cup of water to this specific Arab sojourner who happened to be, it's not the point. This was something that was the thing that he did all the time. All of us would give a cup of water once, or here or there. But that Avraham did it for someone that he had nothing, no connection with, nothing to do with, and he's running after the person out to the middle of nowhere. That Miriam is someone who had such faith in God that even after the Egyptians came around, they were knocking down doors on the block, and her parents, who were righteous people, walked away. You know, they must have decided, you know what, this is not, this is not the time, this is, you know, not, this is not our story, this is not what we thought it would be. You know, Miriam hangs around, she, she has faith and she says, let me see what's going to happen. So within the reka, within the, the larger picture, what are we seeing? We're seeing an act of faith by a person who never lost faith. So therefore, later on, when something, when she did something wrong, so so too the the story kind of came back that they also they kind of believed in her, and even if she did something wrong, were willing to wait around for her to get better. Now, I, I think that that idea it communicates something very powerful to us, and that is that I can do an act of chesed of kindness, and you can do an act of chesed of kindness, and those deeds can be exactly the same. But the difference in the deed is, is expressed by the doer. So as an example, each person, when they do a specific mitzvah, the mitzvah fits in to all the deeds that they've done in their life, to all the things that they've been through in their life, to their insecurities and to their challenges and to their jealousies and to their complexes and as well to their strengths. So a deed done by person A and a deed done by person B are remarkably different. You're praying in Shachrit this morning in a room full of people who are praying the Amidah is radically different and brings something that nobody else brings. So when Miriam does this deed, that's something special. But uh, I, I want to bring one more point to, to the fore here. The Torah tells us that when Yosef was being sold, Reuven saw what was going on and he said, you know, I'm the firstborn. Bottom line, responsibility lies with me. And if Yosef, if anything happens to him, God, Daddy's going to come to me and tell me, how come you didn't do better? How come you didn't lead? How come you didn't... So what does he do? He says to them, why don't you, instead of doing this, you know, throw him over here, do something else. And Ruven's intention was to go back and get him. Says Rashi on the spot, quotes Gemara, if Ruven had known that his, this story would have been recorded in the Torah, Instead of just giving them a piece of advice about throwing him in a pit and come back to get him later, Reuven would have put him on his shoulders and carried him back to his father. So you read that, on a surface level, you look at it, you're like, what, what that's with the point? Reuven would have done it because of the notoriety. You know, because now if he knew it would have been written in the Torah, he would have done it because, you know, now he'd get press. That's the point. Listen to this, Rabotai, and this is such a powerful idea. 
Avraham has served many guests. Maybe actually, in fact, unlike I just said before, uh, the reward for Avram's children were not because he had done it a million times. The reward was because for thousands and thousands of years, billions of people would read about the time that Avraham was in pain, overcame his pain and his discomfort to worry about somebody else. The fact that it's in the Bible and it went through iterations for Judaism and Christians read it and Muslims read it. The fact that that story got the press it got meant that the reward for doing the right thing and making an eternal Kiddush Hashem across cultures, across the entire world, the result of that also had to be magnificent because it didn't impact one person or three Arab sojourners, it impacted billions and billions of people. It made so many people get so many meals that the Jewish people through the duration of their time in the desert earned all the meals that they needed to have from that one deed. Miriam waits for her brother and you learn that against all odds a person needs to check in. To me this spoke so loudly. What does it mean that you ask how your brother or your sister is doing? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Do you need some help? Not when they come to you and say, I need help with something, but rather to go to them and say, is everything okay with you? Is there something I can do? Wow, happens to be this snapshot gets in the Bible. So for all time, siblings learn what it means to believe in and to check in on another sibling. That's what it means. Reuven says, if I'd have known, if I'd have known that this was going in the Torah, and then instead of getting reward for an intention, instead of getting reward for a good intention to do a mitzvah, I could have done the mitzvah with a plum, grabbed my brother, put him on my shoulders. What would they have learned from me for all of eternity? What kind of merit would I have received for something like that? You know what the problem is? There used to be a TV show called Candid Camera. What did they do in Candid Camera? They put a, a, a what's it called? A, 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 a video camera hidden in the wall, and they would record a person, and they'd go in and they'd tell him, they'd make up some interesting story, you know, and then... You know, and then what would they, and then you, they'd see capture the reaction of the person. I think candid camera is no longer a thing because I don't think we're wowed anymore by the fact that there's cameras in the wall. You know, <laughs> there's, uh, I think there's two aimed at me right now. But the point is, right? You see, candid camera is let's capture a candid reaction to something like to to a person in an interesting scenario. You know what? I remember after candid camera became very famous. Anytime something really weird happened to you, what did you do? you start looking around for the camera, right? Even today, by the way, you know, you see these videos where people go up to people online, you know, for their social media, and they make up something outlandish, and people are like, is this being recorded? Like, we're expecting to be recorded. The, the more outlandish the scenario, the more we're sure someone's doing it for the gram, right? You understand? Now, listen to Abutai. You never know if the camera is recording and you're gonna be put in the Torah. You don't know if that's what's going to be. So you know, it, you, any moment of a person's life back then, and what are the 
could have been the bit that God decided to incorporate into the Torah. The bit that could have influenced people forever. Here's the kicker. We maybe are not going to be put into the Torah. But our lives are exactly the same. You think about the impression that you made on a person that resulted in something. You know, I remember reading a story about a young man who, who, uh, who's, you know, hanging out in a synagogue or whatever, and there's a very old gentleman there with a walker. He's finding it difficult to walk. He says, young man, you know, can I catch a lift? He says, sure, where, you, you know, where are you going? I'm in a big, big, big rush. He says, I'm just going up Fifth Avenue, you know, uh, and then down two blocks or whatever. And the guy says, listen, I'm in a very big rush. I'm happy to drop you on the corner of Fifth Avenue. Anyway, he drops him in the corner. Of, he goes to the corner of Fifth Avenue. The guy says, listen, please. I'm in so much pain. It's so hard for me to walk. Just, would you mind just the two more blocks? And the guy says, what do you mean? I told you that I didn't have time and you said you're coming to the corner. I mean, I can't believe what kind of gratitude is this. And now you came in, really, your plan was the whole time to then guilt me. He says, please, I need to go. Could you get out of the car? I need to run. The guy says, please, just two blocks. And the young man says, I'm sorry, just, just please get out of the car, you know? You're taking advantage. Anyway, the guy gets out of the car. He's looking at the guy like this. Had that the the, uh, the kid carries on, you know, to his uh, to his work, to his appointment, to whatever it is he needs to get to. Yeah. And a little while later, this young man he gets engaged. As what's it called? As he uh, as he as the the relationship develops, they realize that uh, they want to get married. They you know they throw this big party to, for the engagement party. And, um, and everyone's there and everyone's celebrating and then the girl says, you know, uh, oh, this is something, you're so, I'm so happy. Um, I, I really want you to meet my grandpa. You know, she takes him through the crowd and who's standing there? Hadad's standing there with his walker. He takes one look. He tells his granddaughter, over my dead body, you'll marry someone who's too cruel to take an old man in pain an extra two blocks out of his way. In the end, that relationship, the animosity, the anger, it caused them to break up. You see, the situation is exactly the same. You never know when that camera is on you. You never know if this story is going to be included, if this is going to be a turning point. You never know when you deal with someone, if they're not going to then say, oh, I had this really nice meeting with someone, to their uncle who actually has a deal, the keys to a deal you're trying to do in life. We never get to know that. But the power of the store of Avraham and of Miriam and of Reuven is that actually um, when we do the right things, a lot of times those situations actually escalate into things that will change our lives forever. Since you can't know, you got to err on the side of caution and do it always. But what a powerful idea that is. Um, may, we be, may we merit to be able to live each life, each moment in life as if it was the moment, as if the camera was upon us, as if that bit was going to be included in the Qumash. And then, please God, we will mer merit to reap the benefits of those deeds. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen. Rabbi Chananya ben HaKashah, Meretzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Zikot Yisrael. Lefikach Kabbalim Toham, Tzot Shnei Ma, Adonai HaFetz Ma, Tzikor, Edil Torah Ve'adir.